0: You're listening to Shalice's Podcast. Good morning, everyone. Let's jump in. Today we're going to be talking about uh, another Christian contradiction about God is in control. I hear this all the time from believers, and I wanted to take a little bit of time to hop into that myth today and bust it. And, you know, in light of the gospel, in light of what scripture teaches. So let me pray and let's go ahead and hop in. All right. Well, Father, thank you for yet another broadcast. Thank you that you know every single listener. You know everything about them. You know their background. You know whether they grew up in church, whether they didn't grow up in church. You know the things that they have been taught about your nature. You know every single belief that they hold in their heart. And Father, you know how to teach them by the power of your Holy Spirit, the truth that sets them free. And Father, I just thank you that the gospel is such good news. It is so much better news than most of us have been taught. And I just thank you for the grace that is on my life to share it today. And I just yield. I yield to the Holy Spirit as a living sacrifice. Use me today, Father. Think through my mind. Speak through my mouth. Make it clear. Set people free. And get them back into the place where they are enjoying salvation. They are enjoying life, Father. That they wake up every single moment every single morning and and live every single moment from a place of of awe and wonder back to that place of childlike faith where you have created us and designed us to live in jesus name amen 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 well i wanted to tackle a very common misconception that i think a lot of believers carry and it's this idea that god is in control and you will hear this statement in a lot of different contexts. Okay, I hear it a lot in the context of uh, the realm of praying for people to be healed. That uh, if if it's God's will for them to be healed, they will they will be healed. Uh, I, I in in the context of. Uh, people dying what I call premature death. I hear people sometimes being comforted or comforting others with this concept of that God is in control. really, Any time something happens that I think makes us feel out of control. A lot of times we will comfort ourselves and comfort others, or I hear people comforting themselves and comforting others with this idea that God is in control, that God's will is automatic, God is is controlling things here on planet Earth. And I think the reason why a lot of believers, like I said, will will go with that is because on some level it's comforting. Uh, Because when we feel out of control, it's comforting to know that God is in control. But the truth of the matter is that that is just not the truth. And so I want to take you guys into scripture a little bit today, and I want to just bust this myth, but I don't want to leave you from a place without comfort or a place where you you just, you know, you do feel unsafe and out of control because just because God is not in control doesn't mean that God's will is not going to come to pass and that we never know what God is going to do and all these things that kind of go along with that, that idea. And the reason I, I, I think it's important for us to really dive into this topic and bust this myth, because as long as we think God is in control, it produces a passiveness in the body of Christ. In fact, on our Emerge coaching um, last night, we were talking about this concept in relation to um, healing. And when healing doesn't happen, how do we make sense of it? And so maybe I'll kind of hop into a little bit of that conversation today too because it is important that we understand the concepts that I'm going to be sharing today, because we have a huge opportunity to see heaven manifest here in the earth, to partner with God as we live in union with Jesus, to see signs, wonders, and miracles, and really transform the planet. But the concept that God is in control doesn't necessarily fit into that paradigm. Okay, I want to kind of back up for a moment, because... Um, I do want to t- take this topic from the concept of the sovereignty of God. <clears throat> and sometimes when people think about the sovereignty of God, they think that the sovereignty of God, meaning God is omniscient, God is all powerful, uh, you know, he is he is omnipresent. He is everywhere. He is all-knowing. I mean, he is the self-sufficient one. I mean, I am not taking away from the nature of God when I sh- when I say that God is not in control, okay? This is not a sovereignty of God issue. God is sovereign, meaning he is ruler over all. He is king over all. But in that sovereignty and in that, you know, royal lordship over all, he has given dominion and control of the planet over to mankind. So let me take a drink of my water here and we'll we'll keep going with this. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay, so let's go back to the very beginning. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1 when God created... Uh, everything that we see he created the material realm and let's look at the scripture where uh, verse 26 let's go there to uh, Genesis 1 26 and here's here's what it says it says and then God said let us make man in our image according to our likeness let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man, verse 27, in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, verse 28, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So in Genesis 1, 26 through 28, we see here that we, Adam and Eve, mankind, was created in the image of God. And in this passage, what's happening is that God is telling them, you rule over the earth, you have dominion. Okay, so he's giving them rulership over the earth, over the material realm. And as a ruler himself, creating Adam and Eve in his image, this makes sense because he made them to rule in the same manner that he was a ruler. Okay, if you keep reading in Genesis here, we know that God gave Adam an assignment. He gave him an assignment to tend the garden. But the real assignment came in Genesis 128 when he told him to subdue the earth and have dominion. He told him to replenish the earth. In other words, make the earth look like the garden. In other words, make the earth look like heaven. God's plan has always been heaven on earth. Okay, and we know that God gave Adam and Eve free will because he also planted two trees in the middle of the garden. He planted the tree of life and he planted the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then he told Adam what would happen if he ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, if you eat from this tree, you shall surely die. Okay. But he did not even really forbid him. He just told him the consequences. If you do this, this will happen. Okay. Now, Adam and Eve had been given dominion over all of the works of God's hand, and it says, even every creepeth thing that creepeth upon the earth, in the King James Version. So when the serpent entered into the garden, the truth of the matter is, is that Adam had dominion over the serpent. He did not, he had free will to exercise dominion over the serpent. He had free will to eat of the tree or not eat of the tree. So God was not controlling Adam's choice, okay? He gave him free will. And a lot of people, you know, wanna know why did God give Adam free will? And the truth is that love does not exist in the absence of freedom. Control and love are mutually exclusive entities. So in order for there to be love, there has to be freedom. And so God did not create Adam and Eve uh, to be robots that were controlled, in fact, If he had done that, they would not have been created in his image because God is free. He is a free agent. In fact, he's the only free agent. And so God gave Adam and Eve the freedom to choose. Okay, so when we, I just want to kind of hop off on this for a moment. So when we look at all of the terrible things that are happening in the earth today, if we really want to take this this doctrine or this idea or this myth, frankly, or this heresy, that God is in control then we really have to deal with the fact that that he's in control of all the violence that's happening he's in control of all the weather systems that are doing destruction he's in control of the building that just collapsed in in florida this incredible tragedy he's in 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 control of all of the shootings that are happening i just was reading an article i mean unbelievable amounts of violence happening in our country right now unbelievable amounts of violence happened over this past you know holiday independence day weekend And God's just in control of all that. He's just animating and controlling everything. And the truth of the matter, he's not. Okay? Uh, When the serpent took Adam and Eve down the path of eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, okay, there was a massive chasm and a split that happened in the consciousness of mankind. Okay? Adam completely Became, uh, as the serpent told Adam, he would become uh, wise in his own eyes. (laughs) You know, he became the one that now was like God and the possessor of good and the possessor of the knowledge of good and evil. In other words, he became an independent judge. He became an independent judge of what is good and what is evil. The thing is, is that as an independent judge. Adam lost his ability to really discern and live in union with God. So now, although he had been given dominion to the planet, now he was no longer really ruling the planet. Because here's the other kind of deception in that, is that Adam didn't really become independent he didn't really become just independent of God and then independent of the serpent, because there's only two natures. There's only the nature of righteousness and unrighteousness. There's only the the reality of truth and and deception. There's only the reality of light and the and darkness. And so Adam actually took on the nature of the accuser he took on the nature of the independent self which is the nature of pride which is the nature of of satan of the satanic and now um it says and I'll talk I'll talk about the scripture but you know Adam handed over his dominion and his lordship of the planet to the enemy okay and we know this is true because there's a couple of of scriptures that talk about it okay Um, let's talk about the temptation of Jesus here for a moment. Um, let's go over to a a scripture. Uh, let's go over to, let me think about where I want to read this from. Let's go, let's go over to the, the account in Luke. Okay. Let's go over to Luke chapter four and we want, this is the temptation of Jesus and i want to go into this because as the enemy and the accuser is tempting jesus he flat out says that he will give jesus all of these kingdoms of the world if he will bow down and worship him so let me just read that um okay in verse five it says then the devil taking him jesus up on a high mountain Mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and the devil said to him all this authority I will give you and their glory for this has been delivered to me and I give it to whomever I wish therefore if you will worship before me all will be yours okay now this is a very interesting temptation of Jesus Because here the devil is basically showing him the kingdoms of the world. He's showing him, at that point, the world system. And he's saying, all of this is mine. I have all this authority because it was delivered to me. Okay, who the heck delivered the kingdoms of this world to the devil? Who actually did that? Well, Adam did that. So Adam had that authority to give. He could not have given the kingdoms of this world in all of its glory over to the devil for the devil to tempt Jesus with it if Adam had not possessed it in the first place. Okay, so Adam and Eve had dominion. In fact, one of the titles that the Apostle Paul talks um, about the the devil as, he calls him the god of this world. And in that scripture, we can go over there, we can go over to um uh this is in 2nd Corinthians four. So let me pull this up. In 2 Corinthians chapter four, um it, the the title God of this world is a title that Paul bestows onto the enemy. And he says it this way. Uh, he says this in verse 3, okay? And, and this is in Second Corinthians 4, verse 3. It says, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are per- perishing, whose minds, in this translation, the New King James Version, it calls them the God of this age, has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the glorious A light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So here, I just want to point out that the Apostle Paul is calling the devil the God of this age or the God of this world. So here's the truth, you guys, that Adam originally had that title, that made in God's image. I mean, Jesus said, you know, it refers to the psalm that says, are you not gods? Now, we're not God big G. But we were made in the image of God. God's nature is a divine nature. It is a God nature. (laughs) And so Adam was the original God of this world. He was the original one who had the authority over all of the planet. And he handed it over to Satan. Okay? So God is not in control. Okay? That's the first thing you need to know. Now, but here's the good news the enemy has been defeated. So the God of this world has been defeated. He was defeated on Calvary by Jesus, and Jesus took back the title. Okay, In Colossians, it says he is now the preeminent one. In Colossians, it says that he has now Uh, reconciled the cosmos or the world to himself that now we live, move, and have our being inside of Jesus. He's been given a name above every name. It says in Philippians, (coughs) excuse me, in Matthew 7, uh, Matthew, I think it's 27. It says that all authority, all dominion has been given unto him. Okay. He, it says that he is seated at the right hand of God in Ephesians chapter one, far above power and principality and rulers of darkness. Okay, so Jesus, where Adam was disobedient, Jesus was obedient. And through his death, he, it says in Hebrews chapter two, he actually disempowered, he abolished the one, he defeated the one who had the power of death. In Colossians, it also says that he made an open display of the enemy triumphant. I don't know how to say that word, he triumphed <laughs> over the enemy. Okay, so Jesus is now Lord over all. But listen, that doesn't mean that he's in control. Okay, just because Jesus has won the victory does not mean that his victory is being uh, propagated right now in the scene realm because the God of this world is still on the loose. But the only weapon that he has left is the weapon of deception. Okay, it's the it's the weapon of lies. And so the primary, I mean, frankly, one of the lies that the God of this world is propagating is the fact that God is in control. Because if God is in control, first of all, that gives us all kinds of room to blame God for the horrible things that are happening, for blame, blaming God when people aren't healed, blaming him for these massacres, blaming him for these hurricanes. And it's funny, when you talk to different believers, they have all kinds of stories. All When I say stories, I mean all kinds of human judgment and human judgments that have been passed down from pulpits and generations of really bad theology, where we have tried to analyze and make sense of... Uh, the things that are going on in the world within this idea that God is in control. But that is a deception of the enemy, because as long as God is in control, then it, it alleviates human beings from taking dominion. And now we, as the body of Christ, are the expression of Jesus's dominion now in the earth. Hey, Jesus is not just seated at the right hand of God by himself. We are seated in heavenly places with him. And, you know, it says that he's going to be seated there until all of his enemies are, are made under his foot, under his feet. Meaning, in reality, he's going to be seated there. I mean, the kingdoms of this world are going to become the kingdoms of Jesus, but they're going to become that through the operation of the body of Christ. This is what the Great Commission is all about. He is saying, go and make disciples of every nation, go, go in union with me. Don't go independent of me, but go as you live in union with me, abide in me. And as you abide in me and I abide in you, then guess what? You will do the same works that I do and even greater works. Jesus wants to express his lordship through us. Okay, this is the gospel. You know, the Apostle Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet, not I, but Christ in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In other words, Jesus was expressing himself, his life, his eternal life, his abundant life through the Apostle Paul. And Throughout scripture we are referred to as things like branches, right? A by a branch is not a source. A branch is connected to the source. We're, we're, we're described as a temple. Well a temple is the carrier of God. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are uh, talked about is vessels right and all throughout um the epistles it talks about yielding yielding your members at to as instruments of righteousness it talks about in Romans 6 in Romans 12 it says offer ourselves as a living sacrifice meaning we're we're dead But we're alive. We're we're a living dead person, (laughs) a living sacrifice that is filled with the Holy Spirit so that God can express himself through us and he can continue to exercise dominion. He can actually manifest his dominion in the material realm because we are material beings. We have physical bodies. And so God's will is not automatic. God's will happens to the extent that human beings are yielded in their union with God and expressors of God through the operation of the Holy Spirit. Okay, this is where the gift of the Spirit comes in. This is where living as a son comes in. Jesus said this, of my own self, I can do nothing. But as I, I just see what the Father is doing, and I do that. Right, I just hear what the Father is saying, and I say that. These words are not my own. In John 14, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So he was, Jesus was living from a place where the Father was expressing himself through him. And that is the way of union. That is the way sons of God live. So we are not called to have dominion independent from God that's the nature of the enemy. We are called to have dominion and to dominate the scene realm, but from a place where God is dominating through us. And God's will has never changed. God's will is heaven on earth. That's why the kingdom of heaven invaded earth through Jesus's memory, memory, through Jesus's life. And That is his ministry, is what I meant to say, through his ministry. Everywhere he went, he not only preached the gospel of heaven had arrived. I mean, he preached the kingdom of heaven had arrived. He demonstrated and he demonstrated it over and over and over again with what we would call signs, wonders, and miracles, but it really was just the manifestation of heaven's authority and heaven's realm. He was reestablishing the garden. He was reestablishing heaven on earth, and he healed them all. In fact, when he sent his disciples out he was teaching them to do the same and he sent them out two by two he sent them out and he said as you go preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand and he said heal the sick cleanse the leper cast out the devil freely you've received freely you've get in other words you now go and 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 it's just the same it's the the dominion mandate it's to be fruitful right it's to make disciples of all nations it is to propagate heaven here on the earth and so So God is accomplishing his agenda, his will, through human beings now, as we now go and make the proclamation that, oh my goodness, heaven is here. Heaven is not just a reality that we experience after we die. Heaven is a right now reality that we experience as we live in union with Jesus and operate as a son of God, doing the same works that Jesus did and even greater. And there's so many reasons why the majority, or a lot of, I don't know how what the percentages are, that a lot of believers are not experiencing victory. Number one, they are still living from the illusion of separation from God. So they're living down here on earth, thinking God is up here in heaven in control of whether miracles happen or not. That he's somehow doing something independent from them. They're confused about what his will is. Is God's will to heal this person? Or maybe he's using this suffering to teach them something. Or God can heal, but you never know if he's going to heal. And so there's like this whole mystery up here of like, what is God going to do? And the truth of the matter is, is that they don't recognize what Jesus has done. <clears throat> and the truth is, is that Jesus has defeated the enemy. He has defeated and undone the what, what Adam uh, did. And he is now seated at the right hand of the Father in union with you and I, expecting us to live in union with him and finish the work that he began. This is now our time for Jesus to express Himself through us, for the Holy Spirit to be expressing Himself through us. But, but unfortunately, what happens is is that we live in a, we live in the place where, you know, most believers are not even hearing God on demand, and when I, they act like that's like something you shouldn't even expect. Some of them, like, what do you mean hearing God on demand, Shalise? Like, you know, you can't make that kind of demand on God. Well, wait a second. I, it, To live any other way is to live separated from God, and to live any other way is to live not in union with God, and it's to live independent from god which is the definition of religion it's the definition of the fall is to live independent and separate from god as though somehow human beings can do that when they can't they can only express either the, the nature of the god of this of, you know the god of this world uh, which you know in this case satan thinks he is or they can express the will of god we don't you know and our will is simply there the freedom to choose the freedom to yield. And I will tell you, you know, freedom to yield and freedom to choose is, is kind of a, an interesting concept because the truth is our programming uh, paralyzes our will. Okay. So when we say that we have frill, very few people are operating out of free true freedom. And what I mean by that is, is because they've been programmed with all kinds of programming that is running the show. Human beings operate out of the same habits, the same beliefs, the same behaviors because their subconscious minds are driving 85 to 90% of their behavior day in and day out. Our programming, our beliefs are keeping us in a place where we are not experiencing true freedom and we are making decisions out of deception. And so therefore, any decision that's made out of deception is not a true free choice. We must know the truth in order to be free. And we must be able to choose the truth in order to be free. Because when our minds are blinded by the God of this world through the programming that we have, our freedom is very, very limited. I mean... And we don't even realize it, that we operate out of our program we operate out of something called triggers, right? A circumstance arises, we attach at a subconscious level, a meaning to that circumstance, meaning this happens, this is what it means. And so therefore, these are my choices. And so therefore I go and make them. And the truth of the matter is all of that is literally like an energizer bunny that's getting wound up and just going through life. Okay, true freedom is having the ability to observe our thinking. True freedom is having the ability to know when we're under a trigger, we're under a program that is contrary to the, to the truth and to be able to partner with the Holy Spirit to know the truth and live out of a place where the truth is the way that we're thinking, that we're thinking with the mind of Christ, that we're living from a place of of union, and we're operating as sons who hear God, who see what the Father is doing, and we are dependent, we are connected, and we are simply following the Holy Spirit. Now, I said a whole lot really fast. And as always, I encourage folks to go back and re listen to the podcast because there's so much truth that really the Holy Spirit is sharing here. It's one of these things, it's like, you know, you can kind of like read scripture sometimes and you can read the same verse 20 times, and you won't you'll see something different every single time. And so that's the same with these podcasts because the Holy Spirit is the teacher here. And so he may be highlighting something to you. That if you come back and listen to it again, not only will that maybe make more sense, but he'll highlight something else. And if you have lived under a, a a place where you're waiting on God to do something and you are not hearing God, or you think God is, you know, in control of the situation, I mean, this is this is new information, and new information is always met with something called cognitive dissonance. It's like, wait a second, this doesn't fit into my existing pr- paradigm wait a second is this how can this be you know it's like tilt 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 our brain can go a little tilt sometimes with this and so that's why taking time to listen and meditate and dive deeper into this is so important because mind renewal is how we are transformed and what i am inviting you into believing today is that you are powerful that you are not a victim that You have the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead, the same power of God that you see operating in every single miracle in the Bible is inside of you. The God that parted the Red Sea, the God that raised the dead, the God that conquered death and the grave, he is inside of you. And the reason that we don't see more miracles and we don't see more is because number one, on some level, we don't relate to ourselves as though the God of all creation actually is inside of us. Like we mentally assent to it. I mean, gosh, we've heard it so many times, it almost means nothing. That yes, the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in us. But but really, we we think like what in the world? this is a revolution i'm a new creation what i'm a partaker of the divine nature of god what i'm a joint heir with jesus what All that heaven contains has been lavished upon us already in the unseen realm, and all that's left to do is manifested in union with Jesus. Heaven is right now. Heaven is within me. I have the authority of the name of Jesus to actually uh, lay hands on the sick. I have the authority to do the same works as Jesus. I have the power, not independent from God, but in union with God. And now God wants to show me what he's doing? The Father wants to show me what he's doing so that I can actually be his hands and feet in the material realm to see it manifest? What? What, God? I can hear the voice of God? Wait a second. The way that Jesus heard the Father, why? Because we live in union together? Wait a second. I've been duped. I've been lied to. I don't even know who I am. I look in the mirror and I I think I I have an identity that isn't even real because the person I see I've been living as, is actually been crucified. What the heck? What's happening? Ha! It's the gospel. It's the gospel, guys. It's the pronouncement of an entirely new species of human beings that live like Jesus. It's the pronouncement of an entirely new creation, an invisible reality that has dominion over the seen realm. That is, it's the pronouncement of a friendly, what do you want to say, creation, a friendly seen realm that is partnering with the sons of God to manifest heaven on earth. The enemy is a defeated foe. We shouldn't even be focusing on him. Why? Because what we focus on as as human beings created to function like God, what we focus on manifests. Manifests. God wants to use our eyes. He wants to have. He wants us to have enlightened eyes. He wants us to focus on what he's focusing on. Because if we can see what God sees, then it will manifest. If we can speak the words of God and prophesy and hear him and speak what he's speaking, it has a creative force in the same way that he said, let there be light. When we pray in the Spirit and we speak in tongues, we're giving voice to the Spirit of God. We are supernatural beings designed to dominate the seen realm. Yet most of us are still, not most, I I don't know what the percentage is. I really don't. But it feels like I get sent a lot of folks who don't know this yet because it's my job to help them (laughs) and teach them. So it may seem like more people than there actually are. But the majority of people that I run into that I'm called to disciple are still living from a place of passivity, waiting on God, living in a place where they're living out of a false identity, living in a place where they've never been taught how to operate in the supernatural. They don't understand how to hear the voice of God. And A lot of people are very wounded and very upset because God hasn't shown up in their circumstances. God hasn't come through in whatever way that they need to. He needs, you know, they expected him to come through and they never, ever grasp that they are living like a branch that is not connected to the vine. And so therefore they're living outside of the grace of God and the power of God that works through them. You know, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can dream, all that we can think, all that we can pray. But there's a little caveat there. According to the power that works through us, we are the channel, the, the channel of God's power. And so identity is everything. Identity is everything. Union with God is everything recognizing that we are not here down in this material realm, separated from God, waiting on God to move. God moves through us. The power of the Holy Spirit comes through us. And as we live in union with God and renew our minds and begin to believe the gospel, I mean, that's why Jesus said, repent. The kingdom of heaven is here. Repent, believe the gospel. As we begin to believe the the, the good news, then God begins to use us to do the same works as Jesus did and even greater works. Now, this is not just a message I preach, you guys. This is my life experience now for over 20 years of seeing God move through me, seeing healing, seeing people get delivered, seeing people encounter God, people go into visions. I mean, all incredible things that have nothing to do with Shalice. This is just me after, you know, learning how to hear the voice of God understanding how to partner with God and just see what the father is doing and do it. Speak what the father is saying. It's just, it's it's Jesus in a Shalise suit, you guys. And it's so, it's the same for you. It's it's just me partnering with the Holy Spirit and the grace of God for me to renew my mind that it's no longer Shalise that's living. It's not Shalise that's doing these things. And so, I hope and pray that this message has encouraged you today and has shifted your thinking. Out of this place where somehow God is in control because this planet needs sons of God this planet needs us to wake up uh, believe the gospel repent of thinking uh, out of a place in the illusion of separation from God get training on how to hear the voice of God or whatever it's going to take here so that we can step into the realm of miracles and we can truly go and and complete the vision that Jesus has for the planet to make disciples of all nations to cause king, the kingdom of heaven to manifest here in the earth, and to solve the world's problems. I mean, it is it, we have the we have the wisdom in Christ because He has been made unto us wisdom to solve poverty on this planet. We have the wisdom. We have access to the mind of God to do anything that needs to be done on this planet. However, we have to get into the place of our true identity in union with Jesus. All right, you guys. Well, I'm out of time so loved sharing this message with you today. And I just pray that as you listen to this message again, as you meditate on the truths that are contained in this message, that you are going to explode with revelation. The the light of the glorious gospel is going to shine in your hearts and you are going to come alive from a place of experiencing union with God, experiencing the gospel as a message that is meant to be experienced because it's the pronouncement of your new birth as a new creation, that the old you no longer exists. I pray that you would see yourself different when you look in the mirror. I pray that you would begin to see yourself like Shalice in a Jesus suit, that you would no longer relate to yourself as separate from God, you would no longer be waiting on God for heaven to manifest in any circumstance that you find yourself in, but that you would operate like Jesus because Jesus is in you and Jesus will be operating through you and that it will no longer be you that is actually showing up in those circumstances. And I just release signs and wonders and miracles through you, for you, over you, around you as you step into the reality of the new creation and you begin to partner with God to see his will come to pass in the earth, which is always heaven on earth. So God bless you. Have a great, great, great week. And we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to Shalice's podcast. This recording is in part made possible by our listeners. To partner with us, visit shalice.com where you can donate and help us spread the good news of our unshakable union with Christ around the globe. You can also find a link there to download Shalise's book, The Path, for free. And if you're ready to discover the call of God on your life and the purpose He created you for, then visit us at Shalise.com and watch Shalise's free training where you'll hear five keys to hearing God about your life purpose and transitioning into it. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, don't forget, the world needs the Christ in you.